0: I'm Alex Mito, and I'm James Milley, and this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What's going on, business artists? You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, which means that you are certifiably awesome. If you don't know me by now, my name is Alex Mito. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair. We're the most widespread art fair for artists in the United States and one of the top resources for all things art, artists, and marketing of your art. I'm also one of our two hosts here at the Artist Business Plan with my partner, James Milley, which now reaches over 5,000 monthly listeners in 70 countries around the globe and growing every single week. Today, we've got Claire Hushel here with us on the mic. Claire is going to share an awesome masterclass with you today on how to level up once you are already a professional artist. I don't know about you, but I am so excited to hear what she has to say. But first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you, ABP listeners.
1: Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and not sure about the next move for your career? Good news, those days are over. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Art Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we are offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. We can't wait to welcome you to the Superfine community and start helping you sell more art today.
0: All right, so we are back here with Claire Hushel, and we're ready to change the way that you think about your art career. Claire Hushel is an experienced arts leader and educator with an understanding of both visual and performing arts management. Founder and director of Scaffold, an arts management firm providing administrative leadership, temporary project support, and strategic guidance for artists and small arts organizations. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Claire.
2: Thank you, Alex. I'm so excited to be here.
0: And we are glad to have you. you. Now, before we dive into the meat of our conversation, I want to ask you something that'll help our listeners get to know the real Claire. And that is, what is the earliest memory that you have of art?
2: So, you know, this is, I've been listening to some of your podcasts and I love that you start with this question. And I had an image that immediately came to mind when I heard this question. And it's me looking up as a little kid, being surrounded by, marble statues lacking arms and heads. And I realized much later when I was teaching a class, actually, that what my memory is, is a memory from some New York museum that was doing an exhibition of plaster casts of old ancient Greek and Roman sculptures. And back in the like 1970s, 1980s, there was this big revival in plaster casts. And my mother must have dragged me to one of those museums. And I was standing in a room surrounded by big, enormous plaster cast models of ancient Greek and Roman sculptures. And that's just this image that is melded into my brain.
0: You know, I I love that, Claire. And thank you for sharing with us. I mean, so many people come on this and they have a very similar story. And I like that you use the word dragged because sometimes when we're kids, we don't know what's good for us. And our parents do drag us places that end up being a part of our life. And I think it's just so amazing. You know, I always say, like, if there's any parents out there listening, make sure your kids get out and see the world, see museums, see art, because even if they don't want it this moment, they might be on a podcast 30, 40 years from now talking about how that happened to them and how that woke them up to something that they really cared about and decided to make a part of their life. So thank you for sharing that, Claire.
2: Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. I, my whole family is full of artists too. And so I was always being dragged to things and it absolutely, absolutely sunk in. So yeah, totally agree that agree with your idea.
0: Cool. So Claire, so you work with artists at scaffold to help professional artists build sustainable and long lasting careers. That's something we can very much get behind. You're working with artists who already know where they're going. When is an artist ready to work with you at scaffold? What does it take for them to be there?
2: I usually say that, you know, there's a sort of a a timeline to, I think usually five years of sort of making a go of it as an artist is sort of a good rough estimate, but, but the sort of the career markers that I look for when I am talking to artists is one to see if they have a clear understanding of where they sort of live in the arts ecosystem. You know, there's so many different ways of being an artist. Some people will do the art fair circuit. Some will do the sort of summer art fair circuit. Some really just want to work in academia and have, Sort of stay away from the marketplace directly. Some people are more comfortable being, I don't wanna say hobbyists, but maybe flip in and out of being a professional artist. And so it's very helpful for me to help them if they know where they are on that trajectory. It's also really helpful if they're far enough along in their career that they have a few role models, artistic role models that they follow um, and they can sort of see themselves mapping their career after that artist. And in a realistic way, right? Not not someone who, you know, has won the the Prix d'Or, things like that, right? But but artists that that sort of come from a similar, have a similar aesthetic, similar background, and really have have made it, right? So it helps them define success. Also related to that is that they really have a clear sense of where they want to be maybe five years down the road, 10 years down the road. And that helps map out, are we going to be looking at applying for residencies and grants for you, or are we working on tightening up your your language that you can meet a certain marketplace, right? So that you're talking about um, your art in an accessible way, which is a different way than you might talk about your artwork if you're in sort of a more strictly academic circle. So artists really need to have a facility with that kind of language and career mapping in order for me to be really helpful for them.
0: Claire, that was great. I'm just going to sum that up for our listeners. I think it's really important. I mean, whether you're working with Scaffold or just trying to kind of understand where you're at, these career markers, having a clear understanding of where you live in the art ecosystem, I could not agree more. Uh, We've had a lot of guests on here, you know, iterating the same thing that... You know, there are so many ways you can be an artist. I mean, you can you can make a living uh, selling work on Etsy and Society6, and you can also be in the Whitney. I mean, you can do both. There are people who have done both, but knowing where you are, so, so important. Uh, a few artistic role models that you can map your career after, I could not agree more on that either. And most importantly, having a clear sense of where you want to be five or 10 years down the road, because that is really going to dictate, if you're working with Claire, or you're just kind of trying to understand what else to do um, that'll dictate what you do in the here and now thinking about where you want to be. Love it, Claire. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So kind of, you know, learning more about scaffolds. I'm also new to to what you do as well. Mm -hmm. From what I understand, scaffold offers project-based support for various projects. That's Mm -hmm. brand writing, schedule management, things like that. And those are such daunting tasks for many, many artists who might be listening here. How does scaffold help an artist manage these more difficult parts of the job of being a business artist?
2: Mm-hmm. So I want to just back up a little bit and talk a little bit about why I got into why I started scaffold to begin with, because I think that that'll sort of help explain how I'm set up and how I work with artists.
1: Let's Part of
2: what I realized because I've been working now in the field for you know over two decades and. One of the things that I saw repeatedly was a lot of my artist friends were just having difficulty with that sort of that last mile in their careers. Right. They they would miss a grant deadline because they just didn't have time or they you know were, were doing things at the last minute for an exhibition because they forgot to get their press materials to the press person on the you know, at the whatever institution they were doing their work. And it was it was stressing them out. It was sort of frustrating them. I could see the administrators on the other side were like, oh yeah, it's kind of hard working with that artist because they never get us the stuff on time. And when I had an opportunity to start my own company, I that was the niche I wanted to to fill, right? I wanted to to be that I call my my company scaffold for a reason. I'm just there for the particular project and then I'm gone. So think, you know, Michelangelo painting the Sistine Sailing, he needed a scaffold for that. So I'm just there temporarily. So what I do So hopefully that makes sense, sort of setting up the the background of of what what I do. And when I start working with an artist, we usually set up a Dropbox or a Google Share folder, and we have a conversation about what the very specific deliverable that they want me to do for them. So they'll say something like, I have an exhibition coming up in a year, and I need help putting together a calendar so I know when to have the photographer come into my studio and document the work, when I need to start, you know, getting materials out to whoever's doing the press for me. I need to know when I need to start editing things or being in communication with, you know, the gallery. And so I'll sit down and I'll, in the Dropbox, I'll say, okay, here's your planning calendar. And I'm going to keep you honest by checking in to make sure that you have these things. Or, Sometimes what I'll do is I'll be the administrator for that project. So if a gallery, instead of reaching out to the artist, they can reach out to me and I'll have access to a Dropbox that has all of the images that that artist has put together for that exhibition, like studio shots. And I'll say to the gallerist, here are five images that the artist has approved for use for this project. You know, if any of them don't work, I'll go back to the artist. But hopefully, one of these will work. Or, and I will also have access to their artist statement and some of the the project statements, um, other language around the work. So I become the sort of a temporary studio assistant, in a sense. So that's just one example of the kind of projects that I do. I also do a lot of grant writing and grant research and grant editing. And so I can use the materials that are in that shared folder and just say, you know, I think you should pull a little bit from this project and a little bit of text from this project, and let's put it together. And instead of reinventing the wheel, every time you're applying for a grant, I sort of help facilitate the writing based on this shared, you know, body of work that we've collected together and both have access to.
0: First of all, I love that. And I, I, that's such a clear way of describing what you do. And I love the Michael, Michelangelo metaphor of, you know, he painted the Sistine Chapel and he did a scaffold to do it. And then at the end of it, the scaffold goes away. I think that is something in, in all industries that there needs to be more of in terms of consulting and people who help uh, anybody, whether you're an artist or an entrepreneur, get through some of these difficult, annoying, let's say let's say, for lack of a better word, annoying things that maybe you procrastinate and don't get done. Uh, Forgetting to turn in a grant or press release—I mean, that could be the clincher. You've done the artwork, you've you've put all the time, energy, soul into it, and then that last thing—I mean, sometimes you know, family matters, business, whatever can come up, and you don't get that done. So having someone like Claire and Scaffold to be able to help you with that is really important. Um, I like the kind of temporary studio assistant, although I'm sure you're doing a lot more than that. But just you need this right now, and it's helping you get through that. I think that's does that sum it up pretty well, Claire?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it does.
0: Cool, cool. And I I would highly recommend for the artists out there listening to keep that in mind and kind of understand that there's nothing wrong with bringing someone on when you need that last mile to get through that last bit and complete what you're doing. So we're going to shift gears a little bit here, Claire, and we're going to talk about strategy, which is one of my favorite topics. And my question to you is, what are the top, let's say top four or five strategies that every artist needs to know when they're structuring their own plan for their artist business.
2: Yeah, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if these would be categorized as strategies so much as like tips, I guess. One of the ones that I think an artist friend of mine uses and, and sort of passes along to the artist that she mentors, and I think it's so brilliant, is to make it once and sell it twice. So if you are giving an artist talk Package that in such a way that you can give that same artist talk a second time. If you have to fabricate some sculpture or something, figure out a way to use that fabrication time to create another object. When working with scaffold, write one grant proposal and then have that so that we can u- reuse it again a second time or third time or fourth time and just adjust it, modify it, tweak it. And by that way, you're sort of, artists can maximize their, their hourly rate as it were, right? Um, they're they're doing one thing one time and being sort of intense in their in their focus, but then they can use that repeatedly. And, and I, I just think that that's a really smart strategy for artists to be thinking about different ways to maximize the work that they do. I think it's also important to be flexible as much as I think artists should have, have a, a career path and have an understanding of where they want to be. I also sort of feel as though allowing some room for, for happy accidents to happen is pretty, is pretty important because you just never know when an opportunity is going to come up. Um, and you don't want to be locked into something, a vision of your career so much that it doesn't allow you to, to take opportunities as they come along diversifying income streams, you know, not putting all of your eggs in an art fair basket um, and figuring out maybe how do I leverage my art fairs to do artist talks or um, reach out to community partners where I'm doing the art fair or whatever that might look like, right? To to really think broadly about the skills that you bring as an artist is not just artists are great communicators. They communicate in a visual medium, but they can also, they can also use that skill of sort of translating the lived experience in different ways that I think can make it for really interesting conversations. And I just always encourage artists to think about ways that they can share that experience beyond just their artwork and inspire, inspire other people. You know, it's such a great way of learning about other people and the world. And I just, I just think that being able to, to be flexible and be able to, to pivot between audiences and ways of working is pretty critical.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I just want to underscore a couple of your points, Claire. Being flexible, that doesn't mean not having your own principles and things that you won't do or things you'll say no to, but also just allowing that room for happy accidents. I mean, there's so many things in life that we don't think we're going to enjoy or we don't think we're going to prosper at. But then when we push ourselves a little bit and try it and get out of our comfort zone, we sometimes find those are the things that we enjoy the most and that are most beneficial to us. So I totally agree with you and encourage artists and everyone to be flexible in that and to open themselves up to those opportunities. And I really like the idea of diversifying income streams. And that's something that's a lesson that's taken me, ooh, I don't know, 18 years to, to really grasp, but it's so important. And that doesn't mean also that you don't, you know stick to your 8020 and do what you do best i mean absolutely but you know having a few places I and mean, we've seen in this past year with the economy
2: mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. i
0: mean i've seen people in this past year do incredibly well in every industry and i've also seen people lose their businesses and lose things so you know that's the difference being able to adapt and say look i have this one um art is a great example because you know with with galleries not being open and fairs not happening the art that's being sold is primarily online and that changes the, the price points people spend at. It changes the kind of art they buy and also the economy changes the disposable income that they have. So the artists I've talked to on this program and through Superfine and also many of the guests as well have said, you know, art in the two, three, four, $500 range is selling on Instagram and websites. So having something you do, I actually had an artist on a webinar last year, who sold like $30,000 in masks early on in the pandemic. And and Mm -hmm. things like that, just adapting and, you know, and again, being flexible, but also diversifying your income. So it comes from more than just one place. So when, like you said, when the art fairs are not going on or when the gallery is not open, you're not totally like at a loss for how to make income from your art. Totally agree with you there, Claire guys, we're going to come right back. And Claire is going to tell you more of what you want to know about making a splash with your press announcements and much more. But first, a message from our sponsors.
1: New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you take the next step and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fairs. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we're offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world.
0: So we are back and Claire, I want to ask you, what are, let's say, three strategies or tips for an artist, let's say, surviving in the art world and in the arts, like just keeping motivated and keeping going, what are your three tips for that?
2: One of the things that I've, noticed during the pandemic and i i think there may be some artists have been using this time to to think of different ways of working because it's been hard for some people to be creative right they just they don't know what to say about this time they're really that they're doing more note-taking but i i also i hope that what we don't see happen is people who were sort of on the edge of maybe setting aside their art career actually following through with that because of the pandemic right because all of a sudden a lot of the venues that they were sort of anxious to explore, shut down for a year, right? So it's like the the goal that they were searching for just disappeared off the horizon. And I hope that artists, as we sort of come out of this, can find those goals again, and continue to pursue it, because it's just, it's so important to have artists sharing their views of the world, especially now. So I'm not really sure if that's strategies for surviving. It's more like just, you know, keep on keeping on because that's what we remember of societies is the art, right? And the culture.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. When when all the skyscrapers are gone, and everything's behind, we remember the art and the culture. And th- it's been a weird year, we all agree, but stay in the field, find your goals, and just continue to pursue what you're doing, because people need to hear your voice. I totally agree. And I think that's a great way to approach that. And so we're coming up Towards the end, but I have one question I think that artists are going to find really interesting. Since you do help with press material preparations, like you mentioned, for the artists to work with, what are some of the ways that an artist can make the most out of their media releases or relations with the media and create buzz for themselves and their work?
2: Well, one thing, you know, I'm not, I'm not a media specialist, but one thing that I um, encourage artists to do, because I think artists get a little bit hyper-focused on the art press, But there are so many other ways out there to get uh, attention for your work that then builds builds your reputation towards the art press, right? So if you've got a, a project that maybe would overlap with another area of interest, try pursuing those press avenues. So for example, if you're an environmental artist, find out who your local environmental reporter is, right? And have them come in and... Think about your project and talk to them and see if maybe something could show up in the environment in the science section of the paper if you are and we had one artist who was doing this huge doing a big installation and was was um, using a brand new type of printing on tyvek you know the stuff that they make fedex envelopes out of. Yep. it wound up being something that the the print community like the people who, who print big tyvek you know the stuff that you see on the sides of buildings people who print that found this project to be really interesting because all of a sudden there were artists working in something that is more, you know, thought of so industrial and it wound up being this big, huge story that was covered in like five or six different glossy trade magazines, but nevertheless, you know, big glossy stories in trade magazines. And so I think encouraging artists to, to think of themselves as more than just their art, that they're also full human beings with really interesting stories and that sometimes if you sort of look for what's unique about your artwork or your story, find and reaching beyond the art press can be, it's a good exercise in getting to know people. It it forces you to talk about your art to different audiences, um, which is just helps with facility later on, right? When you're standing at your art fair booth and you have people from all different walks of life coming by, having that experience of having had to speak to different people, I think can be really helpful. And especially now that there's so much saturation in the press um, or in, on social media, finding the, that that extra niche is pretty critical. And so, you know, thinking thinking of yourself and your artwork more holistically, I think, is a is a great strategy.
0: So you said you're not a media expert, Claire, but we've had at least thirty five guests on here, and I've not yet heard that advice. But I completely, completely agree with it. And we use that strategy at Superfine all the time almost exclusively we actually don't really reach out to art press at all at this point if we get covered it's because we're covered by other niche media local media i would say and for one i completely agree with you on your advice to artists find your niche think of yourself as more than just your art look for areas where you overlap with other areas of interest where your work overlaps the tyvek example is great environmentalism is great and there's a lot of artists working in environmental art right now Trying to get into those scientific publications. I mean, even beyond the local paper. I mean, there's you know, there's so many popular science things like that that you could be reaching out to for high end.
2: I mean, and that opens up all sorts of other streams too, right? So if you're if you're you know, then all of a sudden there's maybe there's a funder who's interested in funding your project because now you you've wound up in their media. You know, just yeah, just to be creative on where that network goes. You, you just can't predict it.
0: Absolutely, and and I was going to add one thing to that, which is I think. You know, it makes really good business sense as well to be reaching out beyond the art media, because to be quite honest, a lot of the consumers of art media are art insiders and artists and maybe people who aren't necessarily looking to buy art. Or to again to fund or whatever it may be. So, getting into some of those other forums and let's say like a local publication, you may actually meet collectors who didn't know about your work and are now excited about it. So, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And you're standing out because you're the one artist being covered in that area, not one of 200 in a magazine that comes out once a month and then it just gets lost. So,
2: right. Right. And, And it's your personality. Like, I know, you know, my wife and I collect art and I would say that 99% of the work that we have on the walls is artists that we know. Um, and that we've, you know, it all started with a conversation and not always about their art, right? Like sometimes it was, you know, we met through the arts, but the conversation that we started wasn't necessarily about their work. It was about something else. And then the more we got to know them and how interesting they were as a person, the more we liked their artwork. And I, I feel like, you know, tying that into your media strategy is part of it too, right? letting people know you as a person.
0: Absolutely. I I I believe fully that that's key to buying and selling art. I mean, I'm in the same boat. I I we have I'm probably close to 400 works of art and I think I know 370 of the artists personally and knew them before I bought their art. And mm-hmm. it's really critical. I mean, in in all business there's this concept of like no like and trust before a purchase. And sometimes in art we start to we, we kind of slip into regarding it as like I don't know for lack of a better word, almost a commodity, like something that you buy because it's valuable and it looks good, but really it's a relationship based thing. And I think that, you know, the media is a perfect way to let people get to know you and be speaking outside of, let's say, your your art voice, like actually speaking about the issues you care about and what you who you are as a person, helping people get to know you and then reach out to you, follow you, show up at your next show, whatever it may be. So I, I 100% agree with you, Claire.
2: Yeah. The art unlocks all of that, right? The art is just a, it's a key to, to the personality behind it.
0: Yep. It's a form of communication. So that's right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. All right. So Claire, this has been an amazing conversation. Let's bring this one home for our listeners out there. What is the thing that artists should go do like now or tomorrow and just start getting their career on the next path?
2: making sure that they I go back to what I started with knowing where you are in the arts ecosystem, because then you really have an understanding of what your possibilities are. You know, you don't want to waste time, right? Cause you've got this gift to give out into the world. And, and if you can really figure out sort of who your people are and, and really flourish in that environment, I think the quicker you can find that the, the stronger your art career will be in the long run. So I think that that would be my, my, like, look at the whole landscape and and figure out where you feel the most at home and then just dig in and have fun.
0: And that is that artist go out there and find out where you fit into the landscape and then double down on it and have fun doing it. Know your audience. And that's how you're going to find the next step in your career. To all of you business artists out there listening to us today, Claire has been here with us sharing her amazing perspective with you all. You're going to want to go back, listen to the episode, and take notes. You can listen to this in all of our past podcasts on our website at www.superfine.world. And to connect with Claire, you can visit https colon slash slash scaffoldartsupport.com. As always, remember that we are Superfine Art Fair on Instagram. We always appreciate a share whenever you're listening to and enjoying the artist business plan. And once again, we would always really appreciate it if you could take just a moment of your time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings and reviews are so, so critical, helping other artists, entrepreneurs, just like yourselves, find us. And as always, I would like to wrap up the class by sharing a quick and relevant quote with you all. Today, that quote is, decide what you want, decide what you are willing to exchange for it establish your priorities and go to work. That is HL Hunt. Claire, it has been such a pleasure having you with us here today. Thank you for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And for that, we are so, so grateful to you.
2: Thank you for having me on. This has been really fun.
0: You're welcome. Everybody else have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us in leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this and all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We'd love to hear what you have to say. So just follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Just shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney@superfine.world, and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney@superfine.world.